Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Jockstrap. Off to a great start already, folks. Stay <laughs> tuned. This is going to be an epic version. <laughs> uh, well, we are entering what is probably the worst part of the sports year. There's nothing going on with football except players on the beach celebrating. And I think the only news happening is uh, NBA news, so which nobody wants. All right. That's a fact. <laughs> it's a bona fide fact. It's not. Anyway, but so... But the big news is you got to stick by for our fir- after the news because we are doing a special Would You Rather, a one-question Would You Rather at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> so stick around. So one of the few headlines to come out this week was a couple big Mariners signings. They signed Ken Giles on a two-year deal, which is really a one-year deal because it was Tommy John surgery, and they signed James Paxton to a one-year deal. What do you guys think about these pickups? What do you think about these pickups? Um, I, I see no harm in taking a one-year deal on both these guys. I, our bullpen couldn't get any worse, so I like Ken Giles for that. <laughs> Even if he does have the worst goatee ever, um, he's the one who punched himself in the face repeatedly, right? I, I couldn't tell you. I, that sounds like something. I'll check that because that sounds quite interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what Griffin told me. He's he's definitely he's he's fiery, and again, his goatee really shows that. Um, I like the James Paxton signing. I mean, I, as much as I love Nick Marjavicious, I don't know how to pronounce his name, and you say Kikuchi. I don't know if they're going to get it done. And Nobody given loves you, say Sakakuchi. <laughs> Come on, don't lie to yourself. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, given our past uh, the injury history with our pitchers past couple seasons, I can't hurt to have a veteran on a one-year flyer, especially one that has a history here and was pretty loved by the fans. Yeah, so that therein lies my one complaint with it. The Maple Grove was the dumbest thing I've ever seen at uh, the Mariners Stadium, and that included years of Jeremy Reed in center field. So I want to be clear, I've seen some dumb stuff at Safeco. As long as they don't bring back the Maple Grove, I'm fine with it. Uh, and it, the fact is, you got uh, it's a good it's a good deal. I mean, he clearly wants to be here, and maybe he can stay healthy. I'll believe it when I see it, but. I mean, he, he had a career high in starts in 2019. Obviously, 2018, he, you know, had another hangnail and he was out. But, I mean, his career is trending in the right direction, at least, which is surprising given his age before last season. Nate, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you guys pretty much said it all. It's just kind of like James Pax is kind of the familiarity with kind of what the mission is here and if he's willing to come on, if he can stay healthy and, you know be at least somewhat productive and ken giles like you said he's hurt this year yeah, right he's uh when it underwent tommy john in october yeah so i mean you're kind of just taking a flyer on him coming back stronger so i don't know yeah. pretty decent moves andy to, after this i want you to lateral. know that i have an exciting uh news segment that we completely overlooked after our uh after you're done with uh, after we're done talking about james paxton all right well i think that's all we have to say on these free agent signs so why don't you get to it now <laughs> You want me to do it? Yeah, go for it. All right. Hold up. I got to find it first. I didn't expect you. Well, here's the very exciting news. We're about to start college baseball season. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Everyone's favorite college sport. Especially (laughs) University of Miami with their consensus number one recruiting class. And as you guys all know, I'm a 
big UM sports fan. <laughs> Arguably the biggest, so much so that I follow it religiously, and I can name almost all their major coaches. Uh, University of Miami comes in at number 21, which after last year when they were briefly ranked number one is uh, a little disappointing on my end, but it's still exciting to see a uh, ranked program. Um, what do you guys think of the college baseball rankings? Uh, is Moo University up there? They have a pretty good Moo team. Moo University, NC State is up there at number 13. And Andy, if they play down here in Miami, I think you should uh, schedule your trip around that because we're Florida and we're allowing fans in our stadium. Genius. <laughs> um, Jesse, do you think do you think that some of the drop off from last year comes from a general IQ test they gave to the uni- to the University of Miami players, and they were just like, "Oof." That's a great question. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Our Friday night starting pitcher. I'll say this about the Friday night starting pitcher. He was our closer last year. I don't remember his name. Uh, Issa, if you remember this, uh, if you listen to this for the first five minutes, let me know. Uh, actually, one of the nicer baseball players in the uh, and one of the hmm. nicer student athletes I've met on uh, campus. Uh, I don't know how smart he is in terms of accounting to 12 numbers, but he is a <laughs> friendly individual. <laughs> That's all you can ask for. Well, honestly. I remember one time we had this we had this semester long accounting project, and it was me, him, and the professor in the elevator. And the professor goes to him, "Hey, I saw you got that project done. Good job." And the, he goes, "Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I worked hard on it." Stops at floor three. Professor gets off. Door closes. Me and this individual who are who's base who is the baseball player who is starting Friday night for the Canes, but we won't name, goes. That was a close one. I didn't have never opened that project. <laughs> oh, boy. Are you so, that he may have had it done for, some, him, uh, for him by someone else? That was the implication from the discussion I had with him. I did not delve into That's details, like. but somehow he got 100 on the project, and it was a semester-long project, and yes. So, Jesse, does he deserve to be paid for his services? To Absolutely the not. That is a <laughs> fucking joke of a question, and you know it. A joke of one. I used to be pro-paying college athletes until I got to the University of Miami. Like, my God, what a collective waste of space and effort. Andy is on my side also, which is also equally great. I, especially the non-revenue sports. I mean, like, gosh, these people just fly all over the country, stay in hotels, just suck up resources from our university for nothing. I mean, like, I cannot I, believe these people. I from- subsidize the rowing team. <laughs> I want you to know that. I do I do like them being able to profit off their likeness. I, it's ridiculous. It got yeah, like that's, Trump not, that's camp, fine. But. No reason to. Let's do that, and then we can watch the like all the Alabama guys get big things and then no one else I, i'm for it i mean like i see no reason not to and I, yeah that. i think likeness is i think likeness is one thing where it's like endorsement deals and things like that like i have no problem with that but like a base salary for all them i don't know about all that no and i mean the uh, one other thing i will say is i like them being able to like host clinics and camps like i think you should be able to brand yourself as like an nc state tennis player hosting a tennis camp because i see a um rowing player are there or diving? Are there players? How about a, ro- a diver, a UM diver. It, Would you get a camp from a UM diver? Do they have diving clinics? Who, 
Uh, I don't know. Apparently, there's one of our divers is like Olympic level good. I don't know. Wow. Then yeah, probably you could probably pull it yeah, off. I mean, if there's like three people, then I think I think just like giving athletes or college athletes the opportunity to like try to pursue those things, even if it doesn't work out, like then you fall back on you have a free education. But, I, like, I agree. Even if you're not using said education, like the space. Yeah. Player. Well, my, my yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my thought process was uh, we're already giving them an opportunity to try to pursue their career. So <laughs> if they fail at their yeah, chosen think... career path, too bad for them. <laughs> it's interesting because I guess, I don't know, the major sports, I guess, which is not what you guys are talking about, but the, like football and basketball and stuff, like they have so much packed into their schedules and stuff that like, obviously they don't try very hard in classes that's not and that's not an excuse but like they're like oh you have team dinner you have workouts you have team workouts individual workouts you have practice you have games you have to travel for games so so like it's harder to fit in the school part of it which sounds like i'm making excuses for them but like it's just i don't know which you are that's an interesting that's exactly what you're doing I am, but I've like spent I think hours I'm running more... around chasing fraternities and fighting with administration, and I'm still doing my classwork. Well, no, doing yeah. is a relative term, but I'm doing it more than this guy did. I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I'm saying, but I'm saying they should, like, the universities themselves should place more. I don't know, place more instead of just getting everything they can out of the players to make money for the school. Like, put forth that like, okay, the education is important as well, and I guess they. But they don't really try to do that. They're like, "Oh yeah, we need to get everything out of these guys because they because Jesse's single handedly funding the rowing team." So, <laughs> goddamn right. Someone needs to do their homework for him. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. It's an interesting debate. I emailed the rower because I got videos of the rowing team having a party with also members of the tennis team, track team, and football team, and I emailed the rowing coach for comment. He did not reply. Shocking. <laughs> All right. They can't afford another scandal. The rowing yeah. team? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many they get into, but they can't afford another one. I'd... You know, one does seem too many for a rowing team. <laughs> All right. Can I get to my last piece of news? Yes, you may. And Please. I, this is one that I think Jesse Smallball Lieberman <laughs> will appreciate. Okay. <laughs> it's probably a wrong, wrong turn of phrase. <laughs> um, so uh, MLB Just is going to be... <laughs> he said Smallball Lieberman. <laughs> Yeah, get with it. Next. Uh, the MLB Insert will, sound effects. The MLB will be deadening their baseball this season. Uh, and it's a pretty small change, but the same one was made in South Korea. Uh, everyone's favorite baseball league. And home runs were reduced by a third and slugging was reduced by 14% in one year. I mean, I, I know you think that home runs are not great for baseball. Do you like this move? Do you see it actually having that kind of impact? I think it's a step in the right direction. What I think would be a better step in the right direction is less relief pitchers, smaller bullpens, less jobs, uh, which is why the union will never allow it to happen. Get rid of the loogie. No more lefty specialists. Well, they did. No more. It's it's a three uh, three batter minimum. That's or true. Push the inning. It's true. I would like to see them pitch the ball faster in general. The pitch clock uh, has not been a resounding success. I'll give you that. But no, I think I think it's a good thing, and it's especially a good thing because there's only so many things that I can hang the ha- Rob Manfred can hang his hat on, and 
I, I am one of the few people who has not completely given up on this guy, but I, I will say this, that I support his efforts to accelerate the game of baseball. I mean, I, I think it is a tough situation because you got a bunch of old farts who love baseball and all of its traditions, but clearly that is not working for the bulk of America. Maybe we should force them to retire, kind of like I want the UM to do to Pat Whiteley. <laughs> it's an interesting theory. Um, it's one theory. Everything always comes back to Canes, man. That's because Canes care for <laughs> Canes. That is why. It's going to be a Miami. Yeah, I think that's our point. podcast. Sl- yeah, this is a podcast slogan is Canes take care of Canes, baby. Um, Nate, do I you think, like home runs? I don't, I don't know. I, I guess, Jesse, why, do you, why is wire home runs so bad for baseball? Look, I, I think Chicks, t- although we all know Chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> Thank you, Greg Maddox. The reality is the way the game is trending right now is just strikeout, 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 home run, home run, home run, strikeout, strikeout, mm-hmm. strikeout. It's a two-outcome game. Kind of like the NBA, actually. Three-pointer, three-pointer, mm. three-pointer, free throw. Layup. Fair. That's a fair point. And I'm against that. Dunk. There's a couple like, dunks. One one team doing that, okay, but literally the entire league is trying to, like, become that. I see. And I blame the nerds. So you just want more. I blame You want the more, like... I want, want more, more steals. Like I want more suicide squeezes. I want more small ball. Small ball Lieberman, yeah. baby. <laughs> there he is. Exactly. There he there is. He is. Uh, no, I think I think Justin makes a lot of good points. I guess I never thought of it that way. I would think, I guess in my mind when I hear, maybe I don't I don't pay attention enough, but like when I hear more home runs, I think more scoring, which I think is a big thing that why people don't a lot of like basic Americans don't watch baseball because there's not enough scoring in their mind, you know. Um, so I, in my mind, it would equate to like, oh, more home runs, more scoring. But I guess Justin makes a good point if there's like no effort to score in any other way. Like, like basketball, I'll give you this one, Jesse. Like the NBA, analytics took over and said, well, three points are better than two. There's no point in shooting mid-range jump shots ever again in your entire life. <laughs> yeah. And so now, it's, yeah, it's just like living. Poor Tim Duncan. <laughs> the bank shot. God. Love Tim Duncan. Thank God she retired before this ridiculous movement. Top five player of all time. We all agree with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's the spirit. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Put it there. Is yeah. that it for sure. headlines for the week? You know, anything else? I feel like I had one, but I forget it now. So, no, let's move on. After one week off of uh, Would You Rather, we have a special edition of One Question Would You Rather. And this question's a biggie, it's so big. That it's going to launch us into a, what I can only assume is going to be an exhaustive conversation. Let's say you're an owner. You're an owner of uh, whatever sports team you want. doesn't really matter. You could be the owner of Real Madrid for all I care. Florentino or whatever his name is. That's right. Soccer reference. Would you rather have your star player be represented by Scott Boris or Mark Rogers? You have to negotiate with them. Me personally, I don't... De- what owner negotiates? Why am I not delegating to a GM? You have to deal with them. This guy, these... You just have to. Hmm. Andy, I'll let you take the lead on this one. It's just, I mean, it, it's hard with 
agents, because uh, I mean, just these agents, neither of them care about the team that the player is on. I mean, I, I think that's obvious. This is a really tough one, Jesse. This, this is good work, Jesse. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I would say Mark Rogers, just because he has less experience, and I feel like as I got a better shot at gaining a team-friendly contract out of him than Scott Boris, who just rakes every single team over the coals. But I guess then I have to deal with Mark Rogers. But I, I'll go go with Mark Rogers. I'm in it for the money. I'm an owner. Yeah, I think it's a lose-lose, right? But I think Andy makes a good point. You could probably get more headway with Rodgers than a slime ball. They're both slime balls, I guess. I don't know. That's like, What about Rich Paul? I don't know. That's not a part of your question, but does he fit into this equation as well? Do you know who Rich Paul is? Is that LeBron's agent. agent. Yeah, no, not interested. Yeah. He represents, like nearly like a third of the league or something crazy like that like so that's he's like Anthony the scott Davis scott, scott to... boris of the nba kind of exactly yeah he represents lebron and anthony davis that's how anthony davis got to the lakers like all types of things like rich paul was literally like if you don't trade anthony davis to the lakers he's not signing an extension here so you might as well do it anyway so scott boris in 2017 made 108.3 million dollars in commissions that douchebag never even got in the batter's box. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> he has negotiated over $2 billion worth of contracts. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, it says here in 2019 contracts signed by his clients totaled more than $1 billion in the month of December. He's up to, okay, I've got the list right here. I've got the list right here. Forbes most recent list. Scott Boris. Most recent numbers that I'm looking at made 161 million dollars last year in commissions. <laughs> this guy's probably close to being a billionaire. He's got to be. I mean, he's probably made half Jeez. a billion over the past five years, hasn't he? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he's got to be a billionaire. Rich Paul, that peasant, he only made 46 million. It's pretty peasantish. Not the same conversation. So, here's my thought process and why I'm going to go with Scott Boris. Every single time, now the entire national media landscape, because as we've discussed, they're so desperate for sports, they are fixated on this Russell Wilson trade story. And the only reason that's a story, let's be very clear, is Mark Rogers. Every single time, I want you. I want the rest of the media, and every single time anyone says, sources are telling me that Russell Wilson is upset about this. I want them just to say, Mark Rogers is telling me that this is what's going on. And this happens every offseason. Mark Rogers puts out, oh, Russell wants to go to New York. Oh, Russell's unhappy with this. Oh, Russell's unhappy with that. Mark Rogers may like be on well on his way for me at least of making my top four biggest villains of Seattle sports. I will That's say got, I, like Tom Brady's on there, obviously. Oh, I should say Malcolm Butler, really Malcolm Butler's on there. Uh, wow, Alex okay. Rodriguez, obviously on there. Go Canes. <laughs> Go Canes. And I'm willing to put Mark Rogers up. Like, wow. this entire storyline is a product of Mark Rogers. 
So let's talk about Russell Wilson getting traded because it's so, never going to happen. Wait, so you, you're you saying that you'd rather work work with Scott Boris Correct. than Mark Rogers? Correct. I'd rather have, as an owner, have my player be represented by Scott Boris. Because here's the indi- the different the thing about Scott Boris and Mark Rogers also. Mark Rogers is an incompetent boob. <laughs> Scott Boris knows what he's doing. Mark Rogers puts this shit out there for no reason and doesn't help his client at all. That is like, interesting. I, I had not thought about it from that because Scott Boris is kind of like Scrooge, where he's just gonna yes. come out. He's gonna come around with his hand out, and you better pay him what he wants. But if you do, he'll leave you alone. Mark exactly. Rogers is like a leech that you just cannot pull out of your skin, <laughs> and he's just always going to be there. So I I will give that argument some validity. Yeah, and not only I that, Mark. This is goes. Uh, you remember. This is previously when Mark Rogers was putting this out there that Russell Wilson wanted part of the, a percentage of the salary cap. Like, so his salary would grow in accordance to the percentage of the salary cap. Here's the irony of that whole thing. First off, we're laughing because it was never going to happen. Second would have worked off, out irony, well for the Seahawks. Exactly. That's the irony. If the Seahawks had agreed to that because of COVID, it would have been a great deal for the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess too. Like, isn't Mark Rogers a baseball agent? Yes, he's like, a failed so, like, baseball I don't agent. Deal with that. Yeah, I don't want to deal with someone who isn't even like supposed to be in my sport. You know, like has no real idea what he's doing besides just trying to get as much money on me as possible. Yeah, I mean, I just I think that it is astounding how detrimental uh, right now and what a distraction Mark Rogers is. And, and I think it plays yeah. into the into the Sierra Yoko Ono thing. I think it plays into the whole web of, oh, we're going to create a business for this guy rather than caring about fucking winning. Like, I get Tom Brady does the whole TB12 thing, but he started really, like, pushing that after he already had won four rings. Like, yeah. um, and I think Mark Rogers is just useless. Mark <laughs> Rogers, if you hear this, I hope you know that you are pathetic. You lucked into having a subpar baseball player that for some reason likes you, and now he's literally the only thing you have got going for you. That's the other thing about Scott Boris. Scott Boris has a bunch of clients to focus on. Mark Rogers, his yeah. entire thing is Russell Wilson. He's just constantly, if the media isn't talking about his client, he's just going to feed them more and more useless garbage that no one believes. Yeah, I mean, that just has to be so frustrating from the Seahawks standpoint that it's just like we're just trying to get through our offseason like we have done nothing to show your client that like he's not a part of what we want to do or that we're not going to do what we need to do and here you are just spewing whatever you want to spew to make us look bad you know what I mean I mean like here (laughs) here's actually great when I was looking up Scott Boris here real quick this man on December 9th of 2019 Got Steven Strasburg the biggest pitcher deal in baseball history. Yeah. Okay. Great. Awesome. Great job. The very next day, landed Garrett Cole a bigger <laughs> I contract that. That was because insane. he set one. I remember that. He set the bar for Steven Strasburg and then said, "Hey, look what Steven just got. Here, give Garrett more, so I can rake in so much more money. That's insane." And that, didn't yeah. he? Oh. Didn't he also Anthony had Anthony Rendon. Rendon. Yeah. yeah, he also had Rendon. That yeah, I guess I've, as well. That, yeah, that's right here too. Just one day after that, Anthony Rendon a seven-year, two hundred forty-five million dollars contract with the Angels. He, he had also signed has his Bryce clients Harper's to eight hundred. 
Yeah, he had signed his clients to $814 million in contracts in just three days. What? <laughs> That's insane. So, here's here's another would you rather. If you, if the consensus number one overall prospect was a Scott Boris client, which they all are, so this which is a very realistic is. Yeah, scenario. Was yeah, was Tolkien fiend or Tolkien, the guy who the Tigers took last? Uh, yeah, uh, he was a, Yeah, he, yeah, he was a uh, he was a Boris guy. So, would you rather? Let's say, you know, there's the slot value. If Scott Boris expected something so far over the slot value that it was going to tank the rest of your draft. Would you rather take subpar players the rest of your draft and let your number one pick walk away, or would you just suck it up and give the give the man his money? Well, teams have done that before. Signed Scott Bor or drafted Scott Boris clients, knowing they were never going to sign with them, and it's usually like whatever. So I think I mean baseball is such a crapshoot in the draft. I think I would I would just sign the guy and like even if it was a consensus number one overall pick. You mean like a Bryce Harper or something? Maybe not a generational talent, but he's he's going to be a cornerstone of your franchise. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was kind of the issue with uh, the Nationals originally with Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper. Was there was talks like, hey, are the Nationals going to take Strasburg? Because Strasburg, of course, was this revolutionary pitcher. I remember because the Mariners, if they had just lost one of the last three games against the Oakland Athletics, they would have had the number one overall pick, but they had to sweep the Oakland Athletics. Good thing we got Dustin the... Ackley, though. A nice consolation Ex prize. Yes, a great consolation <laughs> prize. And I remember th and I remember there was still a little bit of hope that uh, Steven Strasburg might fall to number two just because of uh, Scott Boris. And apparently the Nationals ownership just hates Scott Boris. I would if I were them. I mean, if you're the Mariners, you don't like him either. He's got Yusei Kikuchi's ridiculous contract. That guy just has his mitts all over baseball. <laughs> I like how the MLB Players Union has also, like, designated him as their official spokesman. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you rallying around this goon? Because he gets, them, gets his players a shit ton of money. It's true. Um... So I'm looking at, I want to look at some of these other ones. Andy, I'm going to ask you how, how many of these people you know. This is a soccer agent at number two. Saul Niguez of Atletico Madrid. No. Okay. Um, ben Chilwell. Yes. Gareth Bale, I think. I even know Gareth Bale. Yes. All right. Yeah. I was curious because that is who these guys, this number two guy's clients are. Maxi Gomez? No. Do you know one Maxi Gomez? I cannot say that I do. Interesting. Um, maybe I should become a soccer agent. What do you guys think? So, there, so in closing, basically, there is no agent in the world that represents a league like Scott Boris does. I mean, Nate might want to make an argument for uh, what's his face, this NBA Rich character, Rich Paul. I think there's might be something. Yeah. The I think, I think what's different about that is though is the NBA like LeBron. Although Rich Paul is LeBron James' agent, like LeBron James probably still has as much sway, you know. Like Bryce yeah, Harper does no, not have right. as much sway as Scott Boris. Yeah, and I think Rich Paul is he's growing. Right, it's not like Scott Boris where he's been doing this for decades. Right, yeah. it's it's Rich Paul's only been in the 
recent future. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. But I just know that he was a big part of Anthony Davis's move to the Lakers because he represented both LeBron and Anthony Davis. So I don't know. Andy, do you know a anyway? Uh, Mark Rogers sucks. That's all. <laughs> Andy, do you know a Fabinho? F A B I N. Do you know a Fabinho. Ederson? I feel like I've seen the name, but. Do you know a Bernardo Silva? Yes. Do you know a? Are these Gr- the guys you're looking to represent, or? No, <laughs> these are the number three <laughs> agents, guys. Do you know a Cristiano uh, Ronaldo? I'm not familiar with him, actually. So this guy has all of those guys, and he is the number three highest paid sports agent. This is an interesting list. The after I guess... after Scott Boris, wow. So Nate, uh, the number one uh, the number one agent in basketball is not even uh, Rich Paul. Interesting. Do you hmm. want to take a guess at who some of these players this guy represents are? His name is Jeff Schwartz. I don't know fuck if I know. He represents Kemba Walker, Nikola Jokic, Brandon Ingram, and oh. Kevin Love, among others. Interesting. Rich Paul represents, like, I think Anthony Davis, LeBron. I think he picked up Trey Young. Interesting. <laughs> ben Simmons and John Wall. Okay, well, I guess, yeah, that's not a huge... <laughs> anyway, do you guys think this is a kind of an interesting thing I don't know, it kind of, I guess, is related, but maybe not really. But how do you feel about Russell saying that he wants a bigger say in, like, every aspect of... I don't... Maybe I, talk I about think, it, yeah, but. I mean, this is Mark Rogers, right? That's more of Mark Rogers yeah. putting stuff out there, right? Which we know is not going to happen. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Russell said it on the Dan Patrick show. But I think Mark Rogers was one of the people who put it out there first, probably. But... I, I, I think that's a very interesting notion of uh, something of, like, a quarterback really wants to a say in everything that happens, which is, I think, interesting. Yeah. Well, it seems like they want us to be uh, – they want the Seahawks to be, like, Tampa Tom and Tom Brady just runs the show, and that's just not going to happen with Russell Wilson. Yeah. All right. Mark Rogers, I hate you. And I guess that's all for uh, the segment today. So next up, we are discussing the new Hall of Fame class for the NFL. That was eight members. Uh, Sean Alexander robbed again. (laughs) One day, Sean, one day you'll get the respect you deserve. Oh, boy. All right, so obvious headliners were Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, and uh, Charles Woodson. Uh, What do you guys think? Was there one that stood out to you? Yeah. Yeah, I really don't know how that Peyton Manning fellow got (laughs) in. That was real upset, I gotta say. Like, who who voted him in? Any other uh, thoughts? Jesse. Um, I'm happy for him. I mean, Megatron, it's really cool to see him. I mean, I wish he had played longer and, like, maybe chased a ring just because he deserved it. But um, happy for him. 
Yeah, so I'll say that. Megatron is the one guy. I mean, obviously, Charles Woodson and Peyton Manning were shoe-ins. I will say that Megatron, I was curious what they would do because wide receivers need to put up a lot of numbers to get into the NFL Hall of Fame lately. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're playing in a pass-happy offense. The voters really seem to consider that. And honestly, I think that's the right call. Uh, I think what this uh, really tells you is just how incredible that stretch was for Megatron. Yeah. I think it was better than Antonio Brown's stretch. I think it was better than Julio Jones's stretch, probably. I mean, he was insane. I have never – it is few and far between that I've seen a, a player play like that guy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's – it's he is a phenomenal – he is a phenomenal player. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, that- and, yeah, like I said, also seemed – also seemed like – seems like a nice guy by all accounts. Yeah. How much stock... This is actually an interesting question going off that. I was thinking about it when we were talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame, too. I, I, I've seen a lot of arguments that uh, Paul Gallant on 710 made this argument that, like... I do like I, I do, too. But he made this argument that the Hall of Fame, it should be about their on-the-field play instead of anything else. So he was making this argument kind of with Kurt Schilling. And I, I don't want to misquote him because I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was kind of saying, like... It's just, he was like, baseball writers are just taking stances and they're not focusing only on what the players did as players. Where do you guys stand? Do you think it should just basically be off, like, statistical and, and outside of Kurt Schilling, or should it encompass everything a person was? Well, I mean, if you look at Kurt Schilling's Kurt- on-field play, he's not a Hall of Famer, so <laughs> I, I don't know what that guy wants. He but was the not blood in the sock, Andy, the blood <laughs> in the sock. I get he had a bloody sock. I, it, his heel was a little torn up. I don't give a crap. He was an above-average pitcher and an all-time great playoff pitcher, which I do put some stock in. But he won like 200 games. I mean, he was a very good pitcher, yeah. but not a Hall of Famer. I agree. I agree with Andy. This guy was. This guy was is banking on a phony, bloody, bloody sock, a good World Series with the Diamondbacks, and a bunch of bullshit for being a just repugnant human being yeah. on every way. And you look at his numbers. I'm sorry. I don't think he's traditional. Again, I'm just looking at the regular season numbers here. Uh, like, this guy, I'm sorry. This guy is not a Hall of Famer. Never won a Cy Young Award. It wasn't uh, even that close. Six All-Star games. Uh, he finished second a couple times. Uh, never led the league in ERA. Led the league in wins twice. I mean, I just... <laughs> I don't know why. I think everyone was just is so enamored with that 4 Boston team. They're just right in annoying people. And I gotta say, I give the Baseball Hall of Fame some credit here. They Obviously, we all know that those guys like to keep their gates gilded and they take way too much pride in the limited uh, power that they have in society. <laughs> that being said... I think they made the right choice of keeping this guy out. Yeah. Sorry, Kurt. Move on. I, Maybe if you were less of a prick for the 25 <laughs> years you were in the league, you would get in. I, I, Fuck you, I buddy. agree. But I mean, like, okay, beyond Kurt Schilling now, too. Like, if players come up in a Hall of Fame discussion and their on-the-field on play is, like, kind of borderline or at least a little bit where it's like, yeah, they should probably be a Hall of Famer, but then, like, they're just awful human beings. Should they still get in? Give me an example. I mean, I think it's a case-by-case basis. I don't know. I can't think of any specific examples on the tip of my tongue. I mean, I would say yes, because, like, I I think of guys like 
Numbers-wise, obviously, no doubt, obvious Hall of Famer. But just in terms of character, a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, if he were a fringe Hall of Famer, I would say you put him in. I mean, he's been with one franchise forever. They've wasted his entire career. I'd be very angry (laughs) if I were him that I wasted my entire career getting the crap being now me in Arizona. But, I mean, especially in a football locker room where it's just such a team game, I think character is just does immeasurable good for a team. Uh, yeah, and I, I just I think you can't really quantify how much a guy like a character wise someone like Larry Fitzgerald yeah. does for a team. Okay, so what if what if you know fifteen years from now, a guy like Tyreek Hill has won multiple Super Bowls, had more thousand yard seasons, repeatedly he's repeatedly like one of the biggest threats in the NFL. Is that a guy that you're like, okay, his numbers were good enough, I'll ignore some of the outside football stuff, or are you like, no, he shouldn't yeah. get in. Well, what you're describing is not what Kurt Schilling is. No, I know, so I know. Kurt Schilling, I mean, who, yeah. I'm just saying, okay, like, I mean, if he's a multi-time All-Pro, I think you have to put him okay. in because, I mean, this is the other problem, and this is one of the things with Barry Bonds that also goes unrecognized. Is another reason that he's not getting more votes is because that guy, he was one of the biggest jackasses in sports history. Yeah. Um, I think that's the bigger discussion. Steroids aside, that guy was a Hall of Famer. We all know it. Yeah. Uh, and. I think uh, I think unfortunately, as much as I uh, grimace at the idea of Tyreek Hill getting up there and giving his Hall of Fame speech, <laughs> you gotta you got sorry that was that was a yawn I was keeping in there. I, you gotta give you got I mean you would have to put him in the Hall. Of I see. Him, I think. Okay, that answers my question. I guess. Who do you guys think? I guess Antonio Brown would be a good question. Let's say his career ends in the next few years and he doesn't really do much. Yeah. His peak is clearly gone. That's a good example. Would you vote him into the Hall of Fame? That's a good example. That's what I'm talking it's about. It's a like, pretty short peak. But he was like the best wide receiver in the league for a couple of years. I mean, without a doubt. Now he has a Super Bowl ring. Well, doesn't he have? Te- doesn't he technically have two? Didn't he get one from the Patriots? No. I swear he did. Look that up. I think he. I think they gave him one. There was a story about that. I don't remember if he... I don't know what he really did to deserve that. Oh, he went to high school in North Carolina. That's exciting. Good for Antonio Brown. That's what Brown. he did to deserve it. <laughs> Good for um, Antonio Brown. I mean, his peak was really good. I forgot he had 1,800 okay, yards what about, in the season. What about, what had, about a guy like... He had a six-year stretch. That was undoubtedly incredible. a hall... Yeah, an undoubted hall, undoubted hall of Famer, in my mind, is Marshawn Lynch. But is the fact that he was a total asshole to the media and... It was just like fuck you. So, NFL. Wait, one sec, because I I want to say types, hold up different types of asshole. He was no, not an asshole at all. Actually, he had very big anxiety problems, and people yeah, yeah, yeah. just look. Okay, well, uh, my bad. One. It came no no. It came across that I was calling Marshawn Lynch an asshole. He, oh, he's God. not. I will yes, not stand for that. You just compared him to a rapist. No, I didn't. I wasn't sick. <laughs> I didn't compare them at all. I'm giving you examples. Nate, how of guys. are we going to get Marshawn on our show now? <laughs> no, I loved everything Marshawn did. I, and I told you, he's undoubtedly a Hall of Famer for everything that he is. And his Subway commercials are hilarious. However, uh, I'm just asking. He just, like, he didn't, since he, he didn't, rubbed some people in the media the wrong way. Exactly. That yeah, that's there? what I mean. Yes. I should take out the word. I, I mean, you're a giant no, prick if you use that you, as. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can't keep that guy out of the Hall of Fame for that. That being said, I don't think he would really give a shit. True. Would he? 
Like, he's going to keep doing soup commercials and just living his best life. God. I don't think that guy gives that man is yeah. so a cool. shit at all. I think he's the coolest guy to step on the field. Yeah. Him and Deion Sanders, maybe. Good but tipper Deion also. Deion Sanders is kind of a dick. No, Deion Sanders is a jackass. But yeah. all right. still cool Marshall as fuck. Marshall Lynch is a nice guy. All right, whatever. Okay, so. What, how are we doing on time, Nate? Dude, my phone second. keeps locking. That's my bad. Um, we're good. All right, so okay. what do you guys think? Who would you say are the best overall career of this Hall of Fame class? That's an interesting discussion. Let's see. I can give you mine first if you want to start. Please. Yeah, go for it. Start us off, Andy. You are Andy the Bold for a reason. I, I'm going to be very bold. I'm going to say Charles Woodson. Hmm. Uh, I mean, Beat him out for a Heisman. I was just going to say, high school through NFL, he was always incredibly uh, – he was always incredible. Um, five-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, That's what they say about me. Okay. I don't think that's what they say. Um, won a national championship and a Heisman at Michigan, and then played 17 years in the league. <laughs> so many. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> he played forever. He played 18 years. I apologize. Fifth all-time uh, in interceptions, four-time uh, first-team All-Pro, four-time second-team All-Pro. I mean, the longevity, the picks. Uh, overall, I mean, probably some of that has come in just from his success in college, but I think overall he had the best career. I think that's fair. I mean, so, I, I don't know. I, I'm a big Pey- Peyton Manning guy, so I guess the Super Bowls aren't really there for Peyton Manning. However, Peyton I guess he Manning, won more Peyton than Manning Charles Woodson. That's yeah, true. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning has more All-Pros. Peyton Manning's made seven All-Pros. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Peyton Manning gets – I know that Brady's won all the Super Bowls, but I think Peyton Manning's gotten kind of disrespected in that conversation just for existing at the same time as Tom Brady. However, I'd probably go Peyton Manning at the end of the day. Uh, I, I think I'd probably go Peyton Manning, too. Seven-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, five MVPs, like two-time Super Bowl champion. Um, it, Charles Woodson is, is a hell of a player, hell of a career, but I think Peyton Manning, I mean, they're both probably, what, top three, top four of their positions. Uh, I think overall Peyton just a little by a little bit edges him out. Uh, that being said, I also think Calvin Johnson is a top five wide receiver of all time, arguably. Uh, yeah. What do you really What do you do right with there. a guy like that in all time discussions? I mean, it clearly as peak, Johnson? yeah, clearly as peak, he was a top five. There's no debate about that. But when you compare him to guys like Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, who played forever, Jerry Rice probably a lot longer than he should have. Um, I don't know about that. He had what. 1,800 yards or 1,300 yards and like 10 touchdowns at the age of 40. I don't know, but he had one or two pretty stinker of a seasons at the end there. Um, what, do you, what do you think? Well, at 42 as a wide receiver. It's pretty damn old. I, I think that – I think the wide receiver is an interesting discussion one because let's be clear here. Everyone knows who the greatest of all time is, and that's Jerry Rice. And I don't just think Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time. I think he's the greatest football player of all time. I think he did more at his position than Brady has done at uh, his position, respectively. Um, and I – and uh, I mean, 2002, at the age of 40, Jerry Rice for the Oakland Raiders – had 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. <laughs> Do you want to know who the quarterback for that Raiders team was? I don't think I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> who was it? Well, their coach was Bill Callahan. 
So it's not like this guy's scheming up these brilliant <laughs> offensive, these brilliant offensive game plan. Come on, somebody take a guess. What, what year was this? Two thousand two. This is a team that lost. I believe they ended up losing the Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did. I have no idea. Lay it on me. Rich Gannon. Yeah, baby. I mean. Rich Gannon. But, like, yeah. I mean, Jerry Rice is obviously the greatest. So, after, so, after Jerry Rice, where does he rank? Calvin Johnson? Yeah. Or who, who Calvin Johnson. Yeah, where does he rank? I think number two is Randy Moss. Agreed. Probably. Uh, I think number three is uh, the guy who Don Hudson Packers because of redefining the position. I always like to throw in an old guy in there. Obviously, we don't know how he would be in today's league. That being said, he created the modern wide receiver position. Uh, and he was like a four-time MVP or something like that. Not uh, bad. That's my number three. Four, I entertain Larry Fitzgerald, hmm. uh, which is which is uh, for consistency. And then I think you're looking at then that's when you start looking at guys like Calvin Johnson, Terrell Owens. I see, so Terrell Owens really a fringe Carter. top five guy for you. Yeah, because he was just kind of a. There's another guy. I mean, you want to talk about personality issues? <laughs> there's no debate in that one. <laughs> Also, how many balls did that guy drop in his career? It's <laughs> a good question. Quite a few. His, his hands were not his uh, defining characteristic. That being said, Terrell Owens' statistics are pretty damn phenomenal. I mean, the guy, he is another guy who had, what, 1,300 yards on the Cowboys at the age of 34. Uh, but he had Tony Romo throwing to him, didn't he? I mean, he did. I mean, that's hell yeah, he did. But still. What about a guy like uh, Marvin Harrison? Where you put him? There's an interesting one. Um, one of the interesting individual also. It seems like he's kind of a nut. Yeah. Um, he's got like 800 guns or something. Uh, nice. Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne are a couple of those guys who I kind of think of as so, products of Peyton Manning. You know? uh, speaking of, well, okay. That's f- Marvin Harrison, here's, here's the dig on Marvin Harrison. Great wide receiver, one good playoff game in his entire career. That's fair. It's very emphatic. I, I like the sound of that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I remember looking at this the other day. He had one good game in his playoff career. But like, also <laughs> like bizarre. From Peyton Manning's second year until 2006, he posted a thousand yards and ten touchdowns every year at least. Like that's consistency. Yeah, he's a phenomenal wide receiver. What about Steve Largent? Phenomenal wide receiver. Why oh, you put Steve Largent in there? No. Really? Nowhere. No, I don't think so. I think I think Don Hudson was better for his era. Steve Largent retired in a weird era where he did hold those statistics, but I mean, I don't think he's a top five wide receiver of all. I'm not saying top five. I'm just asking where you put him in, like. Like fifteen, maybe. All right, so we've gone away from Hall of Fame. Is there any Wait, other Hall I had of Fame? A, yeah, I'm gonna okay, give you. Nate, I'm, go gonna give you I'm gonna give you guys some names that missed the cut, and I want you. To, I, I I'm wondering if you guys would put these guys in. Jared right. Allen. Okay. Jared Allen. Uh, eventually, yes, not a first ballot. Okay, Andy. I would probably agree with that. Okay, Rondé Barber. 
I want to say something different than you, but yeah, no, I don't think so. Okay. What about uh, Tory Holt? Go Wolfpack. Hey, you know, part of the Rams' greatest <laughs> show on turf. Is is a proud NC State that. fan. I'm going to say an emphatic yes. <laughs> I rank him at least top three receivers of all time. <laughs> and I don't think there's a debate about this. Yikes. Jesse, is that a yes or no? Uh, no, I would put him in on like the senior committee or something. Okay. Uh, Richard, you don't see all the love he has out here. <laughs> Richard Seymour. Seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. Key role on the Patriots, winning three Super Bowls over a four-year span. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I know. And he, was, he was a key cog in that defense, too. Like, he was he was a part of that very good defense. Um, the way the football is with how you can reward a peak – I would I would entertain the discussion and I would go as far as to say sure I would vote for him if push came to shove. Okay. That being said, um, I'm not exactly feeling good about my vote. Okay, Andy. I mean, after the after 05, he just fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning towards no. I I think I'm sort of in the same boat as Jesse where there'd be a discussion, but I I would definitely lean no. Okay, and last one. I think you if you put him in, you have to put a guy like Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill in the Hall of Fame. Or maybe Michael Bennett. And uh, and I don't know that I think of those guys as Hall of Famers, really. Okay. And last one is Reggie Wayne. Yeah, you got to put him in there eventually, I think. I mean, he won that Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, and he was his guy for a long time. Yeah. But, yeah, I think so. I mean, but that being said, you have to have Peyton Manning's face on the plaque instead <laughs> of Reggie Wayne. All right. Well, that's all I have <laughs> yeah. in the Super Bowl. But, yeah, his yeah. peak was worth it. Yeah, I'd say throw him in there. Okay. Got it. Not a slam dunk, but yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for our uh, Hall of Fame. What's next, guys? So we are talking sports legends. In light of Tom Brady, clearly separating himself in this discussion as one of the greatest, uh, certainly the greatest uh, football leader of all time. I guess we could maybe make we're talking. We're talking leaders, yeah. Yeah, greatest leaders. Yeah. I think yeah. I mean Brady has to be. I mean Brady has to be up there. I mean. Would you put him as consensus number one at this point? Well, I guess I guess my follow-up question is, what do you? What attributes are you looking at when picking the number one person, one number one leader of all time? Is it just wins? Is it Super Bowls? Is it what is it? You got. I mean, I think leadership. I mean, you got to think guys that have rallied lots of different people around them to their cause and are liked and are respected and are just so like Mark Rogers. <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> like Mark Rogers. That's, that's exactly yeah, right. I think. Yeah, I think Brady, I think it was already pretty well known that he was one of the best leaders in football, the best leader in football. 
but then he goes to Tampa Bay and does the same thing he'd done in New England for however many years. I think that I I can't think of anybody that I would put above him. No, and I mean point, you see probably. all these. I mean, like you think about like Joe Montana in Kansas City. I mean, he was good. I I mean, he proved he's he was good independent of Bill Walsh, but he. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was not what Tom Brady was in terms of leadership. I mean, Tom Brady doing it with Bruce Arians. Why, I, this may be a hot take. I would say he's not as good of a leader as Bill Belichick. <laughs> That's a bold take. I know. And I, I, there's no one in sports history to do something like that. I know that's a very sweeping generalization, but I, I really can't think of anyone else. Uh, yeah. I, 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 thinking, ahead, uh, I was going to open it up to other sports. I mean, you have the Yogi Berra's who also lead by a fun example, hardworking, and not, uh, Yogi Bear is interesting because not only was he a leader as a player, he went on to become a very good coach as well. Uh, did he win, what is it, 11 mm-hmm. rings or so, 11 Super or 11 World Series between, his, uh, between coaching and playing? Something like that. That's something uh, crazy. Yeah, you think of Derek Jeter is another one of those guys who all, with the exception of Alex Rodriguez, all his teammates seem to love him and seems to be a great leader. You've also got a 13 World Series for Yogi Berra. Sorry, Yogi. I shorted him. You've also got, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got Ray Lewis, so uh, who is known as a great leader of people, even though he may or may not have murdered somebody. <laughs> well, didn't he assist in a murdering night? Let's, let's give him credit. Uh, so he was found guilty of uh, disturbing evidence or uh, Tampering impeding, with evidence. In, yeah, tampering and impeding, impeding law impeding. enforcement, and no one, yeah, and no one ever found his white jacket that he was wearing on the night, <laughs> that was mm. reportedly covered in blood. That being said, UM still welcomes him and Alex Rodriguez <laughs> with open arms. So that's, uh, I think that also brings up an interesting question: to be a great leader in sports, to be remembered as an all-time great leader in sports, do you think you have to be a good person? Because you think about people like Lance Armstrong and Ray Lewis terrible people yeah i mean i think i think ray lewis is the one that you really want to harp on because i don't think that uh lance armstrong was as much a leader as just a bully who was so prominent in his sport he was able to just bully everybody into having to do exactly what he wanted (laughs) it's i mean it's different with an individual sport i'll give you and there were team aspects obviously but yeah i mean it's definitely a different dynamic than ray lewis yeah i I think uh, I think there's no doubt that Ray Lewis is a pretty dynamic leader, to say the least. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, incredible. Where, where, do put, yeah. where do you put guys like um, like Kobe and Jordan, who were very much? Would you consider them leaders, or would you Jordan? Yes, like, Kobe. No, may he rest in peace. Yeah, Kobe. I, I mean, don't think was a very I mean, good leader. I think he was kind of hard to deal I mean, with. Everybody. Yeah, but I think everybody who played with him felt that they got better playing with Kobe because he just pushed them so hard. Well, except for their best player. Aspect? Uh, yes, but I mean, the re- the problem where that goes out the window for Kobe is their best player he ever played with, Shaq, did not feel that way. And if you're really That's that true. good a leader, yeah. you would have found a way to play. You would have found a way to get along with Shaq, I think. I, I don't yeah. know if I know about that. I mean, Shaq did not seem to care. I, you cannot make someone care as a leader. If someone's heart isn't in it, that sounds like not filming a Disney movie. I apologize. But, I mean, if someone doesn't even want to work out and someone openly admits to, like, not caring the second half of their career, I mean, what are you going to do with them? 
Yeah. I think I think Kobe I think Kobe and Jordan are the type of people that need a very specific type of person around them. Right. I mean the Scottie Pippins, the I guess Den, Dennis Robin was quite the basket case himself, but Kobe needed very specific people who he could get on and they wouldn't like they wouldn't push back on him. So maybe that's not a leader because he can't push everybody yeah i mean i think kobe was one of those guys who led by example but i don't think he was maybe the best i don't think he belongs in the discussion as the best of all time because it's just you can't i mean can you think of any of those other guys be it yogi Berra, tim duncan even uh that one of the prominent players on the team was like i can't work with this fucking guy yeah (laughs) i would i think i would agree with you i mean there's LeBron James, there's a lot of rumors about people not really liking to play with him. Well, it's... Yeah, I think everybody... I don't know. Everybody who I hear that comes out and talks about it says they loved playing with him. And, I mean, he led some god-awful teams to finals. And, like, got the best out of guys that, like, would... That's another thing I think I would put in a leadership standpoint is do guys leave these guys' teams where they're the quote-unquote leader and have less success if that makes sense like like lebron played with a bunch of guys who were terrible in reality but played really well because lebron elevated them and they went everywhere else and couldn't hold a job they got paid a bunch of money for no reason like i think brady does that as well are you saying anderson barishow is not a reasonable number two on a team that won the (laughs) east that's exactly what I'm saying, mm. actually. Thank you for making my point. I think that's... <laughs> Zadronis <quite>. Ilgauskas. <laughs> whose na- whose number Ilgauskas. is retired, which I find kind of insane. Yeah. Booby Gibson. Booby Gibson. <laughs> Booby Gibson. Delonte West. I mean, uh, it's just... Delonte West is doing okay on his own. He is, actually. Uh, well, he's starting to. <laughs> what about Drew Brees? Where do you put Drew Brees? I don't like Drew Brees. Michael but. Thomas doesn't like him. That was a bad luck. I don't think most people liked him on that team by the end. Uh, Honestly, I think, it, yeah, I think he's a he's a very good example of how someone can appear to be a leader, but just that's sort of the dynamic of being a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think he actually mm-hmm. leads yeah. anyone. I think he's just the face of the franchise. But yeah, it I seems agree. like he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> But, you know, he's not... the one with the kid in his arms with the giant earphones on when they won the Super Bowl, and so that's all. Yeah, and he, like, he brought New Orleans to the Super Bowl, like, shortly after Hurricane Katrina, which I think was a big thing as well. Like, he became the face of it, naturally, like you're saying, because quarterbacks are. Yeah, you, Here's you another can't interesting win one. once and be a great leader. Yeah. Here's another interesting one that I think is actually has a lot of validity. Kevin Garnett. I'm a big Kevin Garnett guy. I don't know how much you guys watched him. Isn't he another one of those guys? I didn't watch him at all because I – yeah, no, I didn't. But isn't he another one of those guys who uh, got in fights with teammates? I mean, but not in a way that was, like, detrimental to a team. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of like Kobe He was the alpha dog. Yeah, he was the alpha dog on that Celtics team that was really, really good with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and Rajon Rondo and Kendrick Perkins, Glenn Davis, all those guys, like – he was the alpha dog are we, in all those places. Are we at all concerned about the fact that he stole Adam Sandler's rock in Uncut Gems? <laughs> Does that add into the debate? I guess. I don't know. I, I, I think Kevin Garnett's a great basketball leader, but it's, 
I think a top three, you have to go. I mean, maybe you could maybe put Bill Russell, some older guys in there. But, I mean, Duncan, LeBron, and Jordan, I think mm-hmm. it's a they're totally in a class of their own. And I think yeah. a guy who won one NBA championship, you can't really compare I don't, him. I don't, I don't know that I think. I mean, I think in terms of players, sure. I don't really know much about Kevin Garnett's story, but I don't know that I would put just from purely leadership perspective LeBron James up there. I'm not saying he's not really? a leader, but I don't think he's one of like the three greatest leaders in the history of sports or the game. But why? It just seems like a lot of people don't want to play with him and stuff. Like, I mean, but, remember when he was who? like, I don't, who was it then when they were, I mean, Kyrie Irving obviously didn't want, got but that was, left. I mean, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving was like in his young twenties and was like, and a nutcase. I want to see if I can do this by myself. You've seen yeah. what he is in, in Brooklyn. And I wouldn't want to play with him either. <laughs> LeBron has not taken a single shot at him despite Kyrie sort of tr- going after yeah. him. He tried to get Kevin Durant to come play with him, and then he also tried to get Damian Lillard and Kawhi Leonard, and none of them wanted to go play with him in L.A. But is that but is that more of, like, they don't want to play with LeBron, or they're like, I don't want to, like, I mean, form look, a super team? Because I feel like Damian Lillard's a guy who doesn't want yeah, to do that. I think Damian know? Lillard's a great leader. I, I have more That's respect fair. for I'll Damian Lillard's leadership than LeBron's. I mean, uh, I not really? as I mean, I think LeBron's a better player, obviously, but I think I would rather go to war yeah. with Damian Lillard. I fucking love that guy. Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I do too. Kawhi but Leonard, I, I, I can know. tell I you, is like... not someone I would want to go to war with. <laughs> <laughs> That's, he would, that's he would send point. you out into battle and then ask how it was at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, I also think about... those Heat teams, those were Dwayne Wade's teams. Like Dwayne Wade, yes, come on. I mean, LeBron was you the best so? player, but I do, I do. I think Dwayne mm. Wade was. I think Dwayne Wade was the leader in the locker room at that time, especially considering LeBron wasn't. I mean, LeBron was always this great player who hadn't won a ring, and he comes in and he goes and does it with Dwayne Wade, who was already incredibly respected throughout the NBA, throughout the rest of the community. You fucking name it, he was like incredibly respected, and I, I think I really think those teams were Dwayne Wade's teams. Hmm. Well, and I think I, that's an interesting take. I don't know. I sort of understand. Not that you're wrong. It's just interesting. I understand with a guy like LeBron, it's sort of hard to separate that sort of untangible leadership quality from just dragging a team. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Which, I mean, look, we might find out more about him as a leader once he retires and people start telling stories about him in the locker room and stuff like that. Um,. But it's not like, I mean, you just hear, I mean, guys like Tom Brady and Derek G, you just hear these stories about how much people love him, how much they love working with him. Tom Brady, the first thing he got did when he got down there was he got all his teammates' numbers and all those things. I don't really hear those about LeBron. I mean, I do. I hear do LeBron has a, he's the one who he's the one who starts the group text with the entire Lakers team. He's he's the one in the conversations with them all the time. I think I don't I think I mean, here's what's interesting is when Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, when you hear about them as leaders, you're like, these guys were total dicks that got, you know, the best out of us. And I don't hear any people going at LeBron being like, oh, he doesn't care about us. He's too big time for us. He's too, like, he's a guy who comes in, puts his work in, makes people better. People learn from him. Like, I think young guys all the time are like, yeah, I'm happy to work with LeBron. I guess I I I think with LeBron, there's just an inherent thing about the fact that he's so good at the sport. Like, people are going to gravitate towards him already. And I think he's a very smart and charismatic guy. 
So, I mean, it's just it's just weird to me that none of those other guys, like, I remember when he, I mean, eventually they got Anthony Davis there, but I remember, like, it was also, what, Paul George, who I don't know who the hell would want to play with Paul George either, but, like, it was it looked like he was going to be all alone out there on the Lakers, and it was very bizarre. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess there, there could be. I, I just haven't heard anything that's like they didn't want to because of LeBron. Here's one. Quote, if you've got LeBron, you got to make it all about LeBron, Tyson Chandler said. Uh, before he became LeBron. Tyson Chandler. You've got to be able to coexist with that and fit with that. Who are you? What are you in your career and how do you fit in? It's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice for winning. I get the but feeling that hold up. I get the feeling that, though, Yes, man. but that's the thing. I get the feeling that although Tom Brady, I think we know it to be true, like it seems like on that Bucks team and stuff, people like he was so much of a leader that he made people want to do that rather than having to do that. Does that make sense? I don't know if Cassius Marsh would agree with you. I mean, oh, he just wanted to play Magic the Gathering. Everyone else wants to play football. If maybe his Magic the Gathering cards uh, just didn't get stolen, it would be. Didn't he have like a hundred thousand dollars worth of cards stolen? Yeah, it was insane. It was something absurd. All right, sorry for that sidebar. I think also it's so hard to separate leadership and basketball. The same thing. It's just you can be dragged in basketball like no other sport. And so, so I'm separating out whether you're just pulling the team or you're really wanting guys want to get better because of you. It's just hard to separate. Yeah, yeah I mean, like Jesse said, we'll find out more as 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 we as LeBron grows and retires and people feel more comfortable talking about him. But I I feel like especially from Cleveland when it was, I, I don't know. I hear a lot of times a lot of people being like, I have nothing but respect for him and what he did i don't know I, I just think i think that quote from tyson chandler can apply to almost any leader i mean jordan needed a very specific type of person next to him kobe obviously did because shaq didn't work out you know like if shaq yeah, really wanted point. to i don't really think those himself. guys were that great of leaders kobe and well uh, you said jordan was eh, i mean jordan i mean jo- yeah jordan by like pure Here's my reluctance with Jordan. Jordan was one of a kind and just what an unbelievable dick he was and was how he was able to lead about it. The problem with Jordan is everyone else wants to be like Jordan, be like Mike. And the reality is I think there's very few guys that can pull that style of leadership off. And I think he was like yeah. one of maybe the only. <laughs> but I guess what I guess I guess the question that goes with it too is like since so many people hype up LeBron outside of everything we don't really know who he is behind the scene you know what i mean like the media is like oh this is lebron james it's lebron james blah 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 and that probably puts a lot of pressure on players by themselves by itself but that doesn't mean that lebron inside the locker room isn't like people might be looking at his stardom as something but that doesn't make him a bad leader you know what i mean like i'm not saying he's a bad leader. that's why i just people... don't know that he's in the conversation for the greatest leaders of all time Oh, I, yeah, probably. I mean, I think, so, I think at least in basketball, I, I would say he is. What about Sidney Crosby? I don't know anything about we don't. Hockey. We don't talk hockey, Nate. This is this, <laughs> go to your other podcast. He's been, the, he's, he's been on the same team so, for so long. I have a quick question for you guys. That championship? We're sort of running out of time here, but one last question. I want to switch it to worst leaders of all time. <laughs> you guys worst leader of all time. And I will go last because I got a good one. It's a throwback. Is Kobe Bryant an answer? It is not Kobe. Uh, Kobe Bryant can, you know. Like, let's be real. Who would you rather play ahead, with, Jesse. Kobe or Shaq? 
Are you saying is Kobe really your, your worst leader of all time? No, he's not my worst leader of all time. That's probably Jay Cutler. That's a, that's a good go-to. <laughs> that's my, that is a that's really my good nominee one. Wow. is Jay Cutler. Yeah. Worst leader of nice. all time. Sitting. Remember in that playoff <laughs> game when he was just sitting on his exercise bike? The one thing I will say is... like he gave a shit. ESPN and his wife divorces run... him because she does, he doesn't give a shit. ESPN covered a lot of that bike. They were really interested in him sitting on that bike. He did have a torn ACL. And granted, I know. even if well, you tear like, your ACL, you should look like you care, especially if you're yeah. a quarterback. You mean, I mean, remember but, Jamal Adams when he first tore his uh, his or pulled his groin, and he was he runs uh, he was still running up and down the field and jumping up and down with guys like that. You do not want your quarterback just doofing around, jerking off on the bike like that. That's true. All right. There was that one play too. He was in Miami at this point, so he didn't really care anymore. But like, I remember they were running the wildcat, and he was just like standing out on the sideline, like hands on his hips, just watching the play. Oh that yeah, that was bad. That was bad cutlery. Nate, what about you? Worst leader of all time? I want to hear. What, oh, are you waiting for? I was gonna go last. Guy, but big reveal. He's gonna try to one up my Jay Cutler. I'm gonna. I would like to see someone beat the Jay Cutler. I think it's. I guess, I mean, if we're talking about face of the franchise, but I think guys like Terrell Owens and well, DeMarcus yeah. Cousins and guys like that who just, like, can't get out of their own way, even though they're not, like... Like, those are the guys that's, like, it's me, me, me. I think those guys are the worst. Yeah, but that doesn't really... I mean, yeah, I guess. But those guys aren't... I mean, at least... I guess T.O. is an interesting one, but I hope I mean, those are the type of guys, guys that, like... want to lead your franchise... <laughs> No, 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 but I'm saying, like, they were good enough to be in places where they could have been leaders, right? I mean, Terrell Owens was the best receiver on his team, right? I mean, DeMarcus Cousins was, in, like, a number, what, he was a top-five draft pick. Yeah, he was These guys that could step in and be leaders. For a while, yeah. yeah, right? And so, like, if they're not good leaders, like, they could be good leaders. What about Ben Roethlisberger? He's really matured as a leader as the season has gone on. Or, I mean, as his career has gone on. Hey, you guys, look at the uh, look at the image I just sent you of Jay Cutler and his now ex-wife. I know this is bad radio, but still. Yeah, the pictures don't do quite that well. So I got. Uh, I, are you ready for my big reveal? I'm ready. It's quite the throwback. This is Cap Anson, who led for all the wrong reasons. He uh, played in the 1800s. He. Yeah, we know. Well, I, for an, I don't know that Nate knew. Um. I didn't know. He oh, basically name, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. He basically erected the color barrier in baseball. They were <laughs> Jesus playing. Christ. They were playing an exhibition match in the 1880s. How is Jesus is a leader? <laughs> I don't know. And he refused to play in the exhibition match because of a the other opposing team man, African American pitcher. The owners uh, took it to a vote after that exhibition match, and they voted six to four, banning. African American baseball players from baseball until Jackie Robinson broke color barrier. So is he worse than Ty Cobb? I would, in terms of his place in history, yeah, he's. I would argue he is one of the worst leaders in uh, sports history. I have, I have. That's yeah. That probably takes the cake. I would say, Andy. But I have two more. Here's two more for you. Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf. Ooh, those are good ones. Jamarcus Russell's a good Jamarcus one. Jamarcus Russell was a just terrible. I player. love the whole game well, tape story where they gave him game tape and <laughs> told him to watch, and it went blank tapes. 
And then I kept talking. I just let him dig a, a hole, talk about the film on the tapes. It's just a bad leader. Yeah, that was that was that. That's a good one. I mean, who are some other players that just got fat and just got and just Shaq. no one? What? Well, you got me there, but he was still effective. Uh, yeah, I think that about sums it up. I think yeah, Brady's the. Brady's probably the the number one leader in sport. I mean, how much do you? I don't want to make the segment drag on any longer, but like his past like cheating allegations and stuff in football, does that taint his leadership at all with you or no? I I think that I mean I was pretty blown away by how like quickly I mean how quickly that team molded around him. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, that impacts my view in the way I think of him as like as a player. It doesn't. Yeah. It, I mean, it really impacts me more on Belichick, but it doesn't. I don't think it necessarily impacts like his uh, his in locker room. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, unless yeah. you're those two cool. ball guys who have to who don't seem to like him very much. <laughs> yeah. All right, is that it? <laughs> I think we're done. Is that all, is that our last segment for the day? It is. All right. Is. So long, folks. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Jock strapped.